Welcome to Yes, X or No Audio. USA, Ukraine, Russia, China and Saudi Arabia. Out of the frying pan and into the fire. 2022, November 10th. Excuse me, I'm experimenting with different styles of audio recording. Uh, rather than just reading an article, also trying things like doing a summary of it and a little bit of a rant so sorry about that but i'm going to assess the response to it based upon uh, readership numbers to see what is the preferred or most popular style so that's going to take a few more episodes of doing you know a little bit of both and and seeing what the response is thank you for your patience so this uh, recording will be an overview of the article and a little bit of a rant the article was inspired by the November 9th publication by Dima, who runs the Military Summary Channel. He did some interesting analysis. He looked at the statements by the Russian Ministry of Defense, saying that they were going to withdraw forces from Hesson, considered the situation on the ground and went, that's going to be problematic. And so the article mentions that, yeah, there are concentration points that they're going to have to move a lot of heavy equipment through, artillery, tanks, large amounts of ammunition, etc. And they will therefore, because of the provision of decent long-range artillery by uh, Western suppliers to Ukraine, these the withdrawal is actually quite risky. And his conclusion is that this these discussions we've heard about by Jake Sullivan with um, senior officials in the Russian Federation government and then following up with discussions with Zelensky were actually about creating a pause in fighting to enable Russia to withdraw. From this, he moves to the conclusion that what's actually happening is a sort of the beginnings of an end phase in this conflict. Lines are being drawn, little, little creations of a future discussion are happening to to bed this thing down. Here are some elements which I do not expound upon in the article, and, and that is that I believe that Russia can pretty much settle for where the lines are. There are two obvious things, and that is that Lugansk and uh, Crimea will be Russian. Comple- they're complete oblasts done. Donetsk is not fully recovered, and Zaporozhye and Kherson are now sort of split. But I think Russia will sort of take what they've got. The, 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 you know, the lands that they still control or will still control after withdrawal from Kherson city, I think is enough for them. They will just sort of settle on that. It's going to be politically difficult for them in uh, Donetsk. However, the population has already been filtered into its Ukrainian and Russian elements because of actions taken by the people, Russia and Ukraine. So I think that the way the battle lines are currently drawn is a situation that Russia will take. They've got a lot of work to do to rebuild infrastructure and support the populations that they've now annexed, captured, liberated, call it what you want. But I think they'll take this. And the only really painful thing for them will be that they don't manage to go through Mikhailov um, uh, to Odessa. It's another failure to help Odessa. There's a background to this, which is their withdrawal from Odessa during World War II. 
they finally came and, and liberated the city, but that was after two years of the citizens suffering from Nazi rule. The other factor, as we'll get to later in the article, is that there are bigger fish on the geopolitical stage for the USA to deal with and are turning in um, political opinion throughout the West. So, to move on with the article. The midterm elections in the US are underway uh, and indications are that it's likely that the Republican Party will take control of the House of Representatives. It looks like eh, not much is going to happen in the Senate. Who knows? But the, the taking of the majority in the lower house will mean that the US Democratic Party will not be able to form legislation without the support of the grand old party, the Republicans. So this means that doesn't matter what Biden says about he'll use his veto power. If they don't have the numbers in the house, they can't even create the laws. They, they have no control. So this creates a, a difficulty for them in the continued whitewashing of money through Ukraine. And there are elements on both sides of the aisle, as they like to say, that there is a resistance uh, at the political level with the two parties, the, the two halves of the uni party, if you like, to this continued sort of blank check to Ukraine. You've had elements of the GOP speaking that they don't believe this to be a wise plan. And, and what that really means is that they can see this as a wedge issue to be able to you know, influence the 2024 presidential election. It's all, you know, USA politics. But there are also elements within the Democratic Party who are expressing this. There was this open letter issued by the Progressive Caucus, which they withdrew in under 24 hours. But that also hints that there are elements within the Democratic Party who also see the political cliff to which, towards which they are heading. So these political developments in uh, the USA are additional elements which support the analysis that Dima did in his uh, recent analysis. The really big news on the geopolitical level came uh, a couple of days ago from the, the Alexes at the Duran, in which Mercurius mentions that uh, Xi Jinping has committed to visit Riyadh and speak with Mohammed bin Salman. And it's, you know, obviously there's one of the discussion points is going to be the continued oil trade to China, which is going to be paid in China's national currency, the renminbi. But that doesn't require a presidential visit to do this. So there is obviously, obviously something larger happening on the agenda. And Saudi Arabia have already expressed their interest in joining BRICS and the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. So one can reasonably conclude that these are the sort of state-level issues which will be discussed. There is also the looming shadow of the formation of an international trade currency to replace the US dollar to be created by BRICS and possibly members of the SEO. That is the fundamental threat. If international trade, and especially international trade in the energy markets, moves from dominantly in US dollars to even a parity between US dollars and whatever this new currency is, that is a fundamental threat to the United States. For their economy now is based upon what Michael Hudson calls the fire. That being 
financial, insurance, and real estate. There is also the tech sector that's a major part of their economy too. But it's under the only many real high value add manufacturing that they're doing is in the military industrial complex, i.e. the military contractors, which is where all this money that is meant to be going to Ukraine is really going. So the US is in a very uh, vulnerable position financially. If the US dollar is undermined in either value or stability, it's a great threat to the US. They have a 30 trillion US dollar international debt. The threat to this potential outcome is a movement of players like Saudi Arabia. There are others less threatening, but also on the horizon, things like Argentina applying to join the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. These individual small threats are not a big problem, but Saudi Arabia is a major problem. If they start to distance themselves from the US and trade their energy resources outside of the US dollar, that is a mortal threat to the USA empire and their ability to maintain it. With these combined threats or changes of both the evolving change of mood in both the US and in Europe against continuing this bloody stupid proxy war and the emergence of a great threat to the US by Saudi Arabia changing its position, one can understand why it would be that the US wants to shut down this war, get out of it, it's it's job done, whatever, shit, didn't work, who cares, but pull out, they've got bigger fish to fry. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think Russia will accept where things are at. They'll take the lines. I mean, obviously, there's, there's lots of complicated issues to be resolved there, but I think they'll pretty much take where they're at. So this is the, the future that we're looking at. And a point that I attempt to make in the article is that this is a sort of a window into what Russian Federation President Vladimir Putin was saying at the Valdai Discussion Club speech, which he gave only a couple of weeks ago, he obviously knew that China was going to make this approach to Saudi Arabia at the time he gave the speech. He understood where things were going. And he mentions this concept of creating an international independent trade currency. And he also mentions the point that the decade ahead is going to be extremely fraught and possibly the most important since the end of the Second World War. He understood where things were going. We are now learning about what he already understood. So that's the article, and that's the analysis, and it may be all completely wrong. There's plenty of supposition in there. I might be completely wrong. I don't think so. I think these are these are the signs ahead. It's not just going to be Saudi Arabia and Argentina this process is going to continue and it's going to amount to a fundamental financial threat to the US empire. Thanks for listening. Until next time.